0: The car you drive every day should be fun.
1: But it has to do the boring stuff too, like commute, be affordable, and haul your groceries.
0: You can have both, and we'll help you find it. I'm Todd. I'm Paul. And this
1: is the Everyday Driver Car Today. Hey everyone, welcome back to the podcast. I think it is uh, time to rant a little bit on a couple of different issues. (laughs) But it's going to be fun as usual, and we're really thrilled that you're here and joining us as usual. The rant is... I don't Uh-oh. think we have enough choice. And we're in North America. And I say that tongue in cheek. But every time hey. we go through the debate like this, and I'm looking for yeah. cars and we're yeah. thinking of choices, I always think sure. of something that's available not in North America. It's available in hmm. Japan hmm. or Europe or somewhere else or even Australia.
0: Sure. And sure. I think,
1: oh man, if only, if, come on. And I know that we are awash in choice. I. We are, yeah. I realize that. But then I thumb through a lot of the car magazines here. One of the notable ones is a Consumer Reports magazine or Motor Trend where they list all the new cars available for the upcoming year. And I Mm thumb through Mm -hmm. and I think, okay, can't afford Ferraris, can't afford the new NSX, (laughs) flip, flip, flip. Not super interested in Acura, you know, flip, flip, flip. And I think – I get to the end and I'm like, Volkswagen, Huh thumb back through. Now, <laughs> now let's see what Hyundai's got. No, still really nothing. Sure. Okay. Yeah. Now let's see what Mazda. Yeah, we cover Mazda a lot. I'm I'm ranting, maybe for no reason. Just send me an email if I'm completely off my rocker. But I I just I want more choice for the people we debate
0: for. I've been thinking about. We've had a lot of debates of late, and and we've actually got some tonight as well to touch on this. We've got Rob writing to us with some questions about a midsize sedan. And uh, we've also got Marshnell writing to us. She's asking about a mid-sized sedan. And I've been thinking about how that world, the, the American automakers specifically, don't do rear-wheel-drive mid-sized mid-size sedans anymore.
1: Not really. I mean, no.
0: the only one I can really think of is the Cadillac ATS. Otherwise, everything that's built American that's rear-wheel-drive sedan is bigger. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I that's, that's the market segment I feel is the most missing here is that – You know that essentially the two or three series bmw sized rear wheel drive sedan i want one of those in every flavor imaginable from every possible automaker (laughs) yeah and And they just aren't out there
1: and a toyota frs from every manufacturer that sort of entry-level tunable fun car sure sure. you know but but at least that's at
0: at least that's niche though at least i could i could hear somebody arguing but sports cars don't sell well Fine. Sure. But midsize sedans are what everybody builds their entire marketing plan around. And and yet I, I feel like we spend a lot of time discussing with people, getting them into rear-wheel drives for the first time. And so many of them have a revelatory moment when they get in that rear-wheel drive for the first time uh-huh. because uh-huh. We're, we're littered with front-wheel drive stuff. That I That's the one I feel like when we, every time we bump up against it in the podcast, there's only a few usual suspects because that's an area that really isn't being built much anymore.
1: hmm we also get asked about why we don't talk about Mercedes that much, and not that I don't have anything against Mercedes. I'm, I'm, as you've probably heard, I love Mercedes. They've really come back for mm-hmm. me, and especially at the high end, even at the mid range, you know, some quote-unquote affordable models, I really like. There's mm-hmm. BMWs and other fun cars, and then we get into the minutia of price and that kind of thing. So we always kind of wander away from them at that point. They're expensive. They're beautiful. The interiors are world-class. They're different than Audi's. I really like them. I'm not going to just start suggesting Mercedes just to throw it in for spice, but –
0: Sure, I, you know. Sure. Well, but I talked about the CLA uh, AMG 45. You did. Uh, I think it was last podcast. I mean, that's a, yeah. that's a surprisingly really cool car in that lineup. It's Mercedes does an Evo, which is really bizarre, and their current C class is fantastic. But the way you want it is an eighty plus thousand dollar car. I
1: didn't mean this to be a segue, but I I thought of it right now and that is the icon film that we are <laughs> oh, madly yeah. working on that is an ode yes. to the midsize rear-wheel drive sports car platform of it is. all the m right. yeah. including mm-hmm. the yep. 1m and the m2 so i just wanted to throw that yep. out there again that is coming just keep that earmarked for stocking stuffers or you'll be able to download <laughs> it and rent as well on vimeo promoting it early we're setting you up well, early it is forthcoming you're right
0: it is It is actually, you know what, you've you've made me remember that one guy that asked us about Christmas (laughs) gifts for Car Guys. Yeah. And that's the thing. We're going to have our fourth feature film in four years available on Blu-ray early December. So if you have car people in your life and you want to – this is the only problem with the world of streaming and downloads – is well, I would also argue quality because I'm a I'm an image geek and the Blu-rays look better. But but putting that aside, because hey, I have a seven year old, I get it. I want to watch that movie right now. Let's buy it. I get it. <laughs> I totally get it. That that cannot be denied and it's overwhelming. But the thing about it is you can't you can't be happy about handing somebody a code for a download. I bought you this movie. Great. There's something better about handing them a something. You see them open a oh you got me this movie. That's cool. So yes, we will have our fourth movie there's something for everyone if you're a car guy, and it will be on Blu-ray early December, and of course, obviously, streaming as well. But uh, that that does work as an actual Christmas gift. Yeah. And we have T-shirts coming.
1: Yes, I can't we tell do.
0: you the details yet, but very soon we will actually legitimately be talking about you can get Everyday Driver T-shirts. So Christmas gifts in November.
1: <laughs> very nice as well. Uh, we are in the midst of wrapping up the annual SEMA show. We didn't attend this year. it's every year in Las Vegas. We know quite a few people mm-hmm. who have gone. I'm uh, flipping through photos on the internet about uh, all the yeah. modded and everything, and it just gets crazier well, it's all and it always crazier. is yeah I just
0: well I mean, I, and you amazed. and I talked very seriously about going this year, and it was it was literally one of those schedule things where we had kind of a weak respite of we weren't traveling, yeah, either one of us. Yeah. And we just kind of went, can't do it because of all the other stuff going on. Of course, I'm buried in post, and so as, as a result, we didn't go this year. And every year when SEMA goes by and I don't go, I kind of think, we should have gone. But we're looking at these pictures, and it is always – it's it's like the insane asylum of cars.
1: <laughs> it is. The cars, you walk in the, the jail cell, and they're all, like, banging against the bars and reaching yeah. out at you and snarling and ready to grab you. And I, Where do these cars go to die? Or do they get sold? Are they – Just go to a showroom, like this 750-horsepower Hurst Mustang. Gaudy, awful. Somebody's going to wreck it at a car show shortly. But um, in the (laughs) meantime. Maybe leaving
0: SEMA. It will be backed (laughs) into a totem pole while leaving SEMA. Seriously,
1: where do these cars go? I mean, we need the the car lot for, you know, use SEMA cars nobody wants. Uh, Mm. What else? Honda was there. Civic Si. That's good. But man, it's just, we did something crazy, nobody else has done, nobody really wants to buy this car, but man, did we make a splash at the show.
0: Well, that's what it uh, is. I mean, it's it's a massive rolling PR event. I mean, that's really what it is. And and I find it interesting that it gets so much press, and yet it's supposed to be kind of this insider deal. I find that dichotomy <laughs> right, very right. funny because you would think, when you look at it online and the way that it's covered, you'd think it's just a general car show, and you as a, as a person could drive to Vegas and walk in. But that's not the way the registration works. You're supposed right, to be either a right. vendor to the, to the industry or press. So I, I find it so odd. I mean, like – Chip Foose and others, and I'm not—he's just the first name I think of. He's not the only one. Are doing big autograph signings. Ken yeah. blocks out there. A lot of people doing yeah. autograph signings, and I keep thinking, but the general public's not supposed to be here. So who are you signing autographs for? It's the weirdest show as far as entry is concerned because the 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 perception is clearly not the reality.
1: Really, piece of good news from this year's show. Mansory has now tuned the Bentley Bentayga SUV up to 700 horsepower. So Thank really God. good, nude, good news. God. for the Thank God. I was.
0: I was just – I kept thinking of that car and thinking, I want one, but, you know, why haven't they dealt with it yet and it needs more power? I Mm -hmm. just kept thinking both those things. So thankfully that's been solved, especially (laughs) here on Everyday Driver. That's vital (laughs) info.
1: (laughs) Aye, aye, aye. Well, another piece of news here that's come across our desk here is this uh, car stash for Jeeps. And Mm -hmm. uh, I really don't know what to think of this. I know neither of us are big into the stash thing, especially for Movember – uh yeah. But it's for charity, so it kind of gets a hall pass. I it's a it giant is, black mustache on your Jeep. Yeah, Jeep, what do you But you
0: and I, yeah. boardmarketingpeople.com. You and I have the same problem. You and I have the same problem, and that is we don't understand why people dress their animals or their cars. I mean, it, it's that yeah. anthropomorphic thing where you want to make it into a human, and so you end up dressing it. And your car doesn't need eyelashes. By the way, side note: when they had, there was that scourge of eyelashes <laughs> on cars two, three years ago, those those that was thought up here in Park City, Utah,
1: which is crazy, and a to woman
0: think about. and a woman thought it up and started getting them made out of China or somewhere. And I'm going to get the story wrong. But the, it it was one of those just instant flash in the pan things where everybody had to have them, and so much so that her husband I forget what he even did he quit his job and they just ran their, I hate to say it but that's the other way I can think of it to say it their car eyelash empire until that trend died. So right here in Park <laughs> City, but I, I don't Words understand that have never been dressing. strung
1: together before car eyelash well, yes. empire.
0: Car yeah exactly that's going to be a really what? awesome punk band later, but right now it's part of the part of the rant, and that is why are you dressing your car up like a person it's not a person. But it. But I understand. We just end up naming them. We do love them. I see how we get there. I just. I can't. The mustache. The eyelashes. Somebody's gonna combine the mustache with the eyelashes, and just break the internet. I think, and that a will hurt.
1: And Rudolph the red nosed reindeer costume for the front end of their car too. You're right. And then Something's they'll put the little happen.
0: the little out of your window glass antlers in the. Uh, don't do this, folks. Don't do this. The
1: funniest thing I think is. Ugh. It actually blocks the cooling system in your car. You're actually mm-hmm. yeah. preventing your car from working properly by dressing it up. And I will laugh when mm-hmm. I see somebody with, you know, a wreath and Christmas decorations with a car steaming by the side of the road. I'll, I'll just think, all right. Yeah. Well, Christmas that was the whole discussion
0: about Lyft when they did their big pink mustaches. Is yeah. they kept covering the entire grill of cars, and I kept wondering about that in hot climates. Granted, they've changed that now, but still. <laughs>
1: People who don't know about car engineering, that grill is there for a reason. Unless you drive an electric car, it needs cooling,
0: people. So, yeah. Yeah, fair point, fair point. Uh, Yeah, the wreaths, the the flags, the my car is Rudolph. No, no, it's not. I just, but, (laughs) yeah, okay.
1: We're hoping you don't dress your car, but if you do, all right, well, we'll just have to go with it, so.
0: Yeah, I suppose. In the
1: meantime, so this Jeep thing's for charity, and uh, that's the only reason it'll get a, a hall pass from me. Cause I was really sure. close to putting a sure. mustache on my Grand Cherokee. I'll have you know, I was. Ready oh yeah, to I
0: keep having to talk you out of it. It's it's a very common thing with you. 50 you and that bucks? mustache on the Jeep. That's just yeah. yeah. Fifty
1: dollars. Uh, Fifty.
0: Yeah, uh, probably cost uh, two to manufacture it. Yeah, but that hey, the charity thing is you're right. The charity thing is the only thing that makes you go, okay, maybe. <laughs> but it's also, but we're also in that same month where the people around you, you get two, three weeks in, and you go, "Did you forget to share?" Oh, that's right, that's right,
1: yes, that's <laughs> okay. right. I've never seen you in a. Oh, right. Uh huh. Anyway, well, uh, speaking of Jeep, we've got uh, a couple of car debates. Starting out with Rob in Michigan, who is an engineer mm-hmm. for FCA, and Rob, maybe I'm just going to yep. call you directly and ask you about the problems my Jeep has been having, but uh, <laughs> he is proving the point here. <laughs> I'm serious, Rob. You might get a phone call from me. Uh, That
0: is funny. That is very funny. The
1: seat keeps clicking over every bump that I travel over, and the the front steering rack, it sounds like you need to add fluid, but it's fine, and it keeps groaning like a kitten trying to be shoved into a wood chipper. Like, it just – it's not – Pleasant. I,
0: I've never I've never heard a kitten make that sound. I've never had that. That's Fargo what my moment steering rack kitten. sounds like. It just but, started doing okay. it. I think. Good to know.
1: Maybe I'll, I should open my hood and check.
0: Anyway, I've I've heard I've heard the groan in the steering rack, and, and our old Acadia used to do it terribly from like day one. It did it. So get it. So I don't know what's going on there, but that yeah, that is too bad. And it is it's you, you have the problem that you have with your your Grand Cherokee at this point is that. I don't want you to misstate it, and I'm going to state it as the outsider. 995 of the car works really well, but it has those three or four things that you encounter all the time that is those little nagging annoyances Mm -hmm. that are part of just, I'm driving, and it has gotten under your skin so much. I can't blame you, but that seems to be what's happened is the stuff that's wrong with your car now is all that little stuff, like you're talking about a seat that won't stop making little tiny noises and the groan of your steering rack. You can't go anywhere and not hear those things. They're tiny in the grand scheme, (laughs) but it's just undermined so much about the car for you.
1: I suppose the other tiny problem could be the pinnacle of engineering perfection that's parked next to it in the garage, i.e. the Cayman GTS, that has nothing wrong with it and is perfect, and I love it. And then when I try
0: to compare that to the
1: Jeep, Rob, not a shot at you. I hope you don't work on the Jeep program, but if you do... Please let me know because we're going to talk.
0: Uh, anyway. <laughs> but but here's the thing though. Here's the thing though. Rob Rob is actually he leases his vehicles, and he doesn't have anything from FCA, which I find fascinating. I mean, he's had an Altima, he's had a Ford, and two Ford Fusions, uh, a yeah. sport and a sport all-wheel drive. He's leased all, last of his. Pardon me. All of his last three cars, he's leased. And he has one now that he really likes, but he is yet to uh, get anything from the FCA program. And I want to come back around to that later. But he's talking wants to talk to us about his current car that he's in love with, but is also a lease. And ultimately, the debate is, should I just keep this one? Mm-hmm. Yes, this
1: is rare. Rob's in a unique position. And as you've noted, he has not owned FCA product from what we can tell. Interesting to see that. And I'm not mm-hmm. sure how long you've worked mm-hmm. at FCA. Rob, but uh, you are definitely proving the point that we are now in the age that if you own a car made by another company than the one you work for, you don't Mm -hmm. have any fear of your car getting keyed in the employee parking lot.
0: I mean, really, that happened.
1: You own a a Corvette and you work for Ford. Don't expect your car to be in perfect shape when you come back out the next day because it happened. But Rob's got a 2014 Audi S4. With the DSG transmission, Mm -hmm. which he really loves. And, Rob, that's a great car. And I want to set the stage here because you're in a unique position. Your email tells us that you have leased your cars ever since you've been 18 years old. As in, Mm -hmm. I don't think you've ever bought one outright. Therefore, you've turned over probably quite a few cars. and. Always had the luxury of owning the latest tech and the latest everything, but it seems like this 2014 S4 is something that you considered before you leased it that you might keep it. And so you've thought about tuning, modifications, you've done the paint protection film, you were thinking about the ECU and transmission tune there, suspension wheels, on and on and on. And doing It's the just buyout a car he
0: loves. Yeah, yeah, it's just a car that he loves. And he really thought, this is my first car that feels like an enthusiast car. I mean, you've got the bug big time. And you're, and you're thinking, maybe I should keep this. The problem is the twist here of, on a bad winter day, you slid off the road and tagged that exit sign. Luckily, airbags didn't deploy. But yeah. there was front-end yeah. damage. You've since had it fixed. As far as you can tell... The car doesn't have any lingering effects. It doesn't seem like there's anything in a bent frame or anything. It, it, it's fine at high speed. It seems like it's okay, but you have a legitimate just-this-side-of-an-airbag deployment front-end collision on this car, which now changes everything about your thinking. There was This was a definite, I'm keeping this car, and now you're in the middle of your lease going, I could get out. Mm-hmm. It has been wrecked. What do I do?
1: Mm-hmm. Scanning through the email here. So, uh, interestingly, that uh – what was it? Where was it? Uh your baby, you talk about this being your baby and your mom mm-hmm. calls it her first mm-hmm. grandchild?
0: That's Yeah. That's Apparently kind of... you've dedicated yourself to this car quite seriously. <laughs> yeah. You, there's there's definitely a real relationship going on with this car. And we understand that. We understand that. Maybe she's hinting but, too. But you <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. What, no, that that's absolutely motherly hinting. Are you kidding? Yeah. That that's mom going, I don't know when I'm going to get a real grandchild and you love this thing this much. I'll treat it like my grandchild in the hope she'll get the hint that I want to be a grandmother. <laughs> that's absolutely what's going on there. There's no, no there's no hiding. That is that is There's no hiding. That's not. we've left subtlety there. That's just that's that's mom 101 right there. It might be mom 201 because at least the kids out of the house now, but it's 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 right. that's pretty basic momming right there. Yeah.
1: Right. That's that's very very uh blatant there that's, that's pretty obvious, so all right, so Rob's asking us, does he turn it in about six mm-hmm. months from now six yep. seven months something like that, or does he hang on to it and start making the payments pay it off for what about thirty grand thirty thousand or so
0: um, i mean it's essentially should he stay with his initial plan of I love mm-hmm, this car i'm mm-hmm. keeping this car I'm going to make it mine or Essentially, he can duck away from a car with a crash on its record because it's a lease, and move on to something else, which he doesn't really want to do. I think, if, honestly, it seems like Rob would not have written this had he not had that wreck.
1: Yeah, that's an interesting observation. I really didn't think about that. I'm, I'm just wondering. Rob, is the wreck sort of just the thing that's, you know, picking at your conscience there that you just think, well, you know, not the ideal thing. Well, but I thing, think he's so maybe I'll get rid of it.
0: I think I think it's less than ideal, but I think he's also seeing if he ducks out of the lease at the end, his personal problem of trying to sell a car that's had a wreck like that and has it on the Carfax and the record, he never has to worry about that. True. When when he when he sells his car at seventy or eighty thousand miles, long after after if he were to buy it, keep it till seventy or eighty thousand miles and then sell it, now he has to explain away the wreck, so to speak. Whereas if he just turns it in as a lease, he just. Washes his hands of it and walks. Right, right. So that's Although, what he's reali- He's realizing he has a way to get out.
1: You know, a, a wreck like that wasn't major. Airbags didn't deploy. There wasn't frame streaming Agreed. going on. Agreed. And mm-hmm. most people, if they, you know, if you've got all the records and it's been repaired really nicely, and you're very mm-hmm. upfront about it, and you say, "Look, no ill effects. I hit a thing. It got repaired. The end." I think most people are willing to yeah. overlook that because it's not a salvage Hopefully. type of car. It's not to that. Yes, yeah, true. It had a, a ding and, you know, tis but a scratch, right? So uh, it got fixed. Um, I, uh, I'm taking all this into consideration, Rob, and I hesitate because I'm, I suppose I'm waffling a little bit. But as okay. I said at the very top of the debate here, you're in a unique position, having always leased a car. You're mm-hmm, used to it.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And yep. you've got the money to afford to do so. Your budget here is about a $550 a month lease payment. That's yep. above the comfort level of most people. And you're in it this is. It is. very nice, lovely, unique position. Yep. And so I yep. think if you keep this car and you start putting money into it, I think you're going to get uh, what's the word I'm looking for? You're, you're just kind of, you're going to, you know, grass is greener. You're going to start looking around. Mm, it's it's mm, not going to last because you're used to getting the next thing and always having that, I can't wait, the next thing. And you're mm-hmm, an engineer. You're mm-hmm. in the car industry, so you know the changes that take place in yeah, yeah, engineering yeah. And, and you know platform differences, all that kind of stuff. Obviously, car manufacturers are always trying to improve but save money at the same time. So quite a fine line. Mm-hmm. I really am curious as to what you engineer, Rob. Um, huh. So I come back to this. There's no real – I've got to have the car do blank. It's just going to be – I live in Michigan. Winter's a reality. Yeah, yeah and yep. i love cars and it sounds like you you want to take pride in it and it's got to be a respite you get away from work and mm-hmm. you know shut mm-hmm. out the world and nothing else matters and this is your cocoon your your mm-hmm. beautiful well crafted place to be because you yep. can afford that level and so i think i'm throwing out the idea of turning it in when the lease is up i i know that's a different path than what you were taking but yeah. I've been yeah. looking over the BMW 440 X-Drive Coupes <laughs> with 320 horsepower, twin power turbo yeah. engine. Yeah. They are bang on 550 a month lease, at least at this point in time. Interesting. Okay. And All I right. think, right. okay, you like German cars. You are in Detroit with a sea of American cars. And I'm wondering if mm-hmm. you just want something mm-hmm. that is a little bit different, stands out. And you appreciate German engineering because you are one. Yeah. Yeah. So... I come back to this BMW as my first choice out of three. I've got a wild card and a super-duper extra wild card here.
0: We're actually following along the same essential path. I just think we're going to wind up somewhere different. My big thing to say to you, Rob, is this. I'm looking at your car history here. We've got an Altima. We've got two Ford Fusions, a Ford Fusion Sport and an all-wheel drive Ford Fusion. And now you've got the Audi. It feels like this Audi's been somewhat revelatory to you. It's been like, wow, this car's amazing. And, I, and and then you have this lease thing lingering, and I realize there's something going on here. You're slowly building your personal car resume. You're slowly, every couple of years, three years, you're getting a completely different experience, brand new car, and you're moving on. But I submit to you a couple of things. First off, I think you do need to get out of this lease. You have an opportunity now to get out of it, like you're saying, walk away, get out of the lease, get something different. Mainly because, of course, we recommend people get lots of different life experience. But my main thing for you, Rob, is homework. Because I don't think, just looking at your list here, I I get the impression you've driven a a series of ever more interesting front-wheel drive biased sedans. It's time to shake it up. It's time to drive some (laughs) other things. And get a different sense of what, it, what the experience can be behind the wheel and see if something else sparks you. There's nothing wrong with that S4. I'm not taking anything away from the S4. But I submit to you there are other things for your great lease availability, just your actual budget availability, where you could try some cool stuff. And you could keep trying cool stuff every couple of years. I am recommending no Porsches, by the way. I'm staying away from that entirely. But I'm still giving you homework. I think you need to go and drive the BMW 2 Series and 3 Series. I'm just talking test drives, just get a sense of sure. them. There's rear wheel drive. Sure. Welcome to rear wheel drive. You need to go drive. I don't think you'll be getting one. But honestly, go drive the FRS or BRZ. Pick one, get a good test drive. It's going to feel totally different than anything you've driven. Get a good test drive of that car. You know what? I'm going to go another route. Look up your local area, see if anybody on Turo is renting one rent one great, for
1: the day. Great.
0: Get a good test drive of an FRS or BRZ, not because you're trying to buy it. I'm getting I'm trying to get you a catalog of experience here to pick your next car. To counteract that 3 series, drive the current Lexus IS.
1: Also good. Yep. Definitely
0: drive that car and then you need to drive the Focus RS and the Golf R cuz now we're into hatchbacks, all-wheel drive. This is my homework for you, Rob, because I think my, my headline is get out of your lease. My, subpo- my subplot there is go drive these varied things and then really think about what did you like and why because the world is yours. That much lease payment, you could get something really cool, but I think it just comes down to the different drivetrains you need to drive before something just – it's going to catch you. I feel confident that it will, and I just don't think you've found it yet.
1: I like that. I, I completely agree. And uh, it sounds like you're getting out of your lease, Rob. hate to tell you. Just kidding. We also identified, I think you mentioned this, that nowhere in this list have we seen product from the company you mm-hmm. work for. Mm-hmm. And I think, huh. You know how we started off the top of the podcast talking about the dearth of rear-wheel drive sports cars?
0: I think you're going where I, where <laughs> I was going to go. Keep going.
1: Keep going. It just so happens that Mm -hmm. FCA owns Alfa Romeo. Yep. (laughs) I think you guessed it, and that is A-plan pricing. You work for the company. Yes, you do. Your lease is up as of May 2017, Mm -hmm. so therefore those cars will be around, especially the Quadrifoglio. And I don't know, I don't know if you can... Get a lease, I don't know the inner workings of A plan pricing. Surely sure, sure. surely you're gonna be able to get some kind of discount and mm-hmm. get an a quadrifolio in that budget, in that five fifty a month price maybe, range.
0: Maybe. But I but I submit to you the Alpha Julia in any in any category. It, it's going to be interesting. It's on this at least drive and experience list because you're rear-wheel drive. I think even if you can't get the big boy, that that was my wild card.
1: And with those savings that you get from employee pricing, could you go ahead and get some winter tires with those savings and mm-hmm. start to experience Definitely. a different kind of road control and road handling and a way you approach driving?
0: Because all-wheel drive, we totally love. Totally agree.
1: Excellent. Totally agree. Audis, mm-hmm. the Quattro is one of the kings of all-wheel drive.
0: Absolutely, definitely. That S4 is amazing in in those kind of conditions. Yeah, but that doesn't
1: mean rear-wheel drive cars are just out. Tons of people drive
0: rear-wheel drive cars
1: set up properly in the winter. (laughs) (laughs) Do we know anybody who drives a rear-wheel drive
0: car in the winter? Hmm. Do do we know anybody? Who does that? That's really weird. I can't
1: think of anybody. Anyway, so I, I think both Todd and I are coming back to this is you've got this opportunity here. And I don't know if that was lurking in the back of your mind. I don't know if you've considered it. But the other thing Mm -hmm. is, since we learned that car is not coming to North America with a manual transmission.
0: Bummer, but not too surprising. A real bummer, but not too surprising.
1: You mentioned that you've never had a manual car before. And you're probably going to be okay with that because your current S4 is the DSG. Yeah. So I'm Mm -hmm. thinking you're the poster child. You're a rolling billboard. It's beautiful. And perfect match for him i agree everybody yeah, think the julia is an
0: absolute consideration
1: yep yep so the julia quadrifoglio that's the hot one uh that mm. uh, we've heard rumors about the 50 to 55 price range somewhere in there i'm guessing fully loaded it'll be maybe 60 65 but then could your yeah. employee discount help out with that i hope they give yeah. an employee discount on these cars because
0: i would I, certainly I, think so i, I yeah. mean why
1: not that that just would be ludicrous to me if you didn't but mm-hmm. that's got to mm-hmm. be on your radar there if you're not already engineering parts of the car for it
0: i had I had a feeling you were going to go there it's why I kind of left it in my wild card category because I thought if it doesn't get mentioned i'm going to bring it up, but of course you went there and, and it it should have it should be there the FCA connection everything you're talking about it there's a serious contender there, but I think you put it on that same kind of homework cars to drive list, Rob because that's the other thing you've got six months to figure this out. <clears throat> Yep. So steal, steal yourself. Get your headspace right for the S4 is going to go. What do I want? And start driving things and getting a sense of it.
1: Yeah, now's and the time And then you'll to know
0: start. by the time it's time to trade up. Yeah, totally agree.
1: Okay, on a very selfish note, I've been looking at the Jaguar F-Pace longingly lately. <laughs> you never owned okay. an SUV, Rob. What about an F-Pace? I know it's an SUV. I'm you just, just kind of jonesing for one. Maybe that's... <laughs> You're oh, in a weird place such.
0: where you want an F pace so badly, you're tried to talk everyone else into getting <laughs> F paces. Is that it's like bad? you know what you could? You, I know you're driving a mini right now and aren't actually car shopping, but have you thought about the Jaguar F pace? <laughs> I mean, the weirdest conversations are happening. <laughs> I with know you your right budget's only twelve thousand dollars, but have you considered the F pace? Really? <laughs> could you could you get in on on a partial ownership of an F pace? Could you gather some friends together and get all of you into an F pace? Could I sell you an F-Pace today? That's funny. I like it.
1: I don't know why. I, I think it's because of a, of a recent event I went to while I was in Tokyo. And the uh, one of the lead viz designers from Jaguar presented what they're doing and their mindset. Mm-hmm. That studio is so impressive. They are populated by a bunch of young guys who are really passionate and really talented. The stuff they are producing in that studio would blow you away visually just the design, their approach to cars, they are in a different category. They're on a different planet huh. when it comes to you know, you look at Korean cars or Japanese cars, and then you look at these guys sure, sure. and the surfacing and the the approach they take to the lifestyle surrounding these cars will blow huh. you away. And I'm just I'm thoroughly impressed. So I'm tainted. I'm I'm you know you tainted are. over here you are, yes. by by having seen that. Wh- but once
0: once you go off into, into discussions like surfacing, I realize we're off in a very deep hole of things that I don't really follow. And the rest of the audience is going, surfacing? Wendy. But <laughs> uh, it matters. I know it does. It's just one of those borderline Swahili words, even for me. I hear you.
1: All right. So uh, Ian McShane, I'm calling you out. Really nice to meet you in Tokyo. And he is uh, <laughs> senior designer at JLR in Britain in, uh, in the UK. And, uh, man, that studio is doing some amazing work. So kudos to you guys. Everybody buy an F-Pace.
0: Funny. (laughs) F-Pace is for everyone. (laughs) But some of the people you bump into and some of the stuff you see that you then non-disclosure form can't talk about is kind of shocking. So I'm always intrigued when some design studio, you walk through it and you're just like, okay, the lineup that's coming for that car maker is going to simply boggle you. So I think it's yeah, interesting that yeah. you're all about Jaguar right now. Uh, <laughs> I want to move on to our second car debate, also dealing us in this uh, midsize sedan world. So I, these look car makers. I'm just here's my 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 uh, mention to all of you right now. This market is your hottest market, and there are enthusiasts in it. And I and I I don't think I don't think that non enthusiasts are going to turn their nose up at rear wheel drive cars, and I just where are the rear wheel drive midsize sedans? That's my current banner that I'm mm. going to stand on for mm-hmm. a while. I actually don't stand on a banner, but Banner's you know what I mean. Over your head, my, not under your my feet. soapbox to stand on and my banner to wave. Are we clear <laughs> now? We okay, there there let's move on. So, Mar- Marshnell wrote to us and and thank you for doing that. She wrote to us and said she's 23. She listens to the podcast. She enjoys kind of learning more about cars. She's dug into our show and others she likes going to car meets and actually knowing what she's talking about so uh she's shopping for a new rear wheel drive sedan you notice the trend here and she's asking us uh what our, our preferences are among the stuff that she's <laughs> she's considering but she's a BMW girl she's had an E46 3 series that yeah. she has loved yeah that just That got her into enthusiast forums, which can be a scary world that she acknowledges. Got us into enthusiast forums and meetups, and suddenly she was the girl that showed up and had that conversation. So I applaud you there. So that's got her considering what's next, and that's where this gets interesting. And I have homework for you too, but where did you go on this, Paul?
1: (laughs) I love that she wrote in. Marshnell, thank you so much. And uh, she says, I like to stay knowledgeable enough to regularly embarrass my guy friends, which I think is awesome. And uh, yeah, kudos. Which, at this
0: point, I don't know why you're listening to us. Because, you know, <laughs> yeah. I, but but thanks.
1: Her debate here is between BMWs. She had this E46, as Todd mentioned. But she's trying to decide between the M235i and a 335iS. Mm-hmm. So the BMW yep, heritage the runs one. rich in her blood as well, Definitely. which I Definitely. love. And you can see the thread here. Uh, this is going to be a used car. And I went shopping for you. I kind of imagined a budget because Good she didn't mention one specifically to us. She just mentioned those two cars as mm-hmm. you know these are the ones. And again, to all of you listening, if, if you write to us and these are the two cars and you're really debating those, we're not going to say, well, maybe sometimes. But we're not going to try to steer <laughs> you away from those because <laughs> if you love them, you, you just do. I, I, I get it. We get it.
0: Well, I mean, yeah, if you, if you if you come in and and she kind of is. You come in and you go, "This is where I'm landing." There there is a level of you you're looking for us to kind of validate your choice and and we're not we're certainly not going to go, "Well, you shouldn't be there. You absolutely have to consider this other thing. Don't even consider that car. You should get a Toyota." Avalon. It's a car what are you you're thinking it's, honestly. It's a car you're considering for some specific reason, so I'm never going to say, "Do not get that car." Well, maybe not never, but but in general, I'm not going to and <laughs> but we're going to try to create options, and I've got some options for you, Marshnell, and I want to talk about that. Uh, but we do have to talk specifically about the two cars you're considering, M235i, 335 IS, which is prior gen to the current 3, uh, 3 right. Series. So we're talking the 392 Coupe in 335 uh, IS form, which we actually really like. You went shopping. What did you find?
1: I did. I imagined a budget of right about $35,000. Marshall, okay. And I went shopping, I, I, I guess I already knew before I went shopping, I'm M235i all the way. I like hmm. the 335i, but you said, I like the everyday driving thing, which makes me think of a side rant, but <laughs> you want to be nimble, overtaking, accelerating, you just want to be thrown around corners and, and nimble yeah, was the yeah. word that I was reading between the lines here. Definitely. definitely And tuning. Mm -hmm. And tuning. Not that you can't tune a 335i, but dineincars.com. You can turn your Mm -hmm. new M235i into an M2 with minimal expense. And I say that tongue firmly in cheek as the person in line over here for one. However, at 35, you'll have your pick of the litter. The 2016s are quite a bit more expensive. They're closer to list price. But with okay. 20,000, 30,000 miles on them, we love the 235i. It has gobs of power. It's nimble. Had, it's small. Yeah, great experience in that car. Yeah. Stance. I, I'm I'm so sold on that car for you because of what I'm hearing from you. Just reading between mm-hmm. the lines. People will ask you about it. It's not the typical 3 Series, although we love them. It's, wow, What? why did you get this? Well, small, nimble, mm-hmm. driving. I love the task of driving. And the side rant that I want to come back to in future podcasts are autonomous cars. I asked a friend of mine from Hyundai, I said, if we all go the route of Uber and Lyft and we're all autonomous, Mm -hmm. what's the point of car styling? Because we buy cars to look good. And his point was, well, you got to look good when you roll up to the club. And I thought, really? In autonomous cars? I mean, we're all going to be in a bubble checking our smartphones anyway or buried in VR. So... Why yeah. will car styling exist in, in in the future? Why will it matter? That's a discussion for another time. But At,
0: at that point, the club is redesigned now, and it doesn't have some – look what I rolled up to the curb and entrance. It's got some little, like, pod tube on the side that goes <laughs> underground, and it's now right. irrelevant. Seriously. I mean, that's, that's probably more likely I mean, well, <laughs> if you get a, a world of all of that. But – yeah, I mean, we could go on that rant right now. But what's what's funny is you and I have – and I went back and forth on this, on these two cars. But you and I have actually gone different places, I think. Okay. I mean, the, the, she's talking about specifically the 335 IS. Now, if you don't remember, yes. that's the slightly less that's just under the M3 of that generation. Okay? It actually had – because of the turbo, it had more torque than the M3 because it still had the turbo engine. And that turbo engine was the one that wound up in the 1M – which is out of your budget otherwise i'd say 1m but the thing about the 335 twofold pardon me 335is specifically it's not common so that's an interesting no. discussion point that chassis is great to drive now i will go with you paul and say that the m235i will feel smaller now interestingly they weigh almost the same but the M235i feels like a smaller car than that E92 chassis. It just does.
1: It does. And equal power, by the way. 320, See I believe. Again? Equal power. Equal horsepower.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah, very, very similar in power. And so I think I, you can't go wrong with the M235i. She said she's also kind of more curious about the newer car. So clearly it would win if you're just going with that. But there's one part of the 335i-S that makes me go, wait a minute. I'm pretty sure that car still has hydraulic steering. 235 does not. <laughs> and I have to say, I have to say we are we are all about that current 2 series. We like it from the 228 all the way up to the M2. We're a big fan of that car in the BMW lineup. Yep. The steering feel is not very good. The E92 had hydraulic steering. Now, not all of them. I know the M3 did. I'm almost certain. Somebody's checking me right now, but I'm almost certain the 335iS also had a hydraulic steering rack. I'm going to put money down that the steering feel is going to be better in the 335i-S, but the agility is going to feel better in the M235i. So I wind up almost talking myself in circles. But Hmm. I so miss the steering feel that is not there in the 2 that it makes me kind of lean 335i-S, but I have other recommendations as well.
1: Hmm, That's interesting. That's a good point. I... I hear ya. I agree the steering feel will be better than the three thirty five, but I wouldn't call the two thirty five I bad. In no category would I call it bad. Oh well,
0: she's gonna end up chucking that car around and having a blast. Either one of those. I, and cars I'm talking cars in terms of feel fun. though.
1: I, I wouldn't say, Oh, you know what, it's just yep. dead in our hands. Yeah. I, I,
0: I can't go there. I, I, I want more from the two series, steering feel. I laws, know you do. I know you do. I take your point. I take your point.
1: Uh yeah, I, it'll take me a while to go through posts here. That yeah, somebody's going to check us and write to us about that. But yeah. mm, the newer car, better tech, all that kind of stuff. But that will help her for ha- sure. Hard for to sure. go wrong with either car. I just kind of stuck with these two cars because I I was just so laser focused on these, but you said mm-hmm. you've got others.
0: Well, I have homework for Marshnell as well. Okay, okay. If, if, you, if you're if you enjoying going to car shows and talking about cars and knowing cars and you're enjoying that life experience, I, I, I can't steer you away from, pardon the pun now that I'm talking about steering wheel, I can't steer you away from the two BMWs you're considering, you have BMW history, you may wind up there, but even if you wind up there, I'm gonna say to you there's two cars you need to go drive. Go drive a Golf R and go drive a Nissan 370Z. Both of those cars have got decent interiors. You could roll up to a car show, and it's going to be very cool that you have that car and know about it. Both of them feel very different than the BMWs you're considering. Curious so, why
1: the Golf R in particular, just because it's got that because the all-wheel drive system, be, or I'm curious.
0: Yes, all of the above. Because... It's all-wheel drive. It's not just the GTI. I mean, you could go drive a GTI and get some of what I'm talking about. You could, genuinely. But I was trying to think of something that what's something that from a kind of cruising access, nice interior tech-wise is kind of equivalent to the BMW in price but gets her into a different kind of car world. So, okay, hot hatches is the different car world. The Golf R rules in the world of just this is a nice place to be and is also a hot hatch. That's what got me there. Because we've got the nice car feel of the BMW, but we went to Hot Hatch, which is a very different world. And then I couldn't go FRS, BRZ. They're not nearly nice enough to compete here, nor powerful enough. No. But what no. about a dedicated rear-wheel drive sports car in this same world, same approximate cost, still a decent place to be? So I wind up at Nissan 370Z, which is a full-on dedicated sports car in this world. I think you should drive that as well.
1: Very much so. That'll be good comparison. At least you'll have that, mm-hmm. you know, as I say, in your hip pocket for uh, for comparison's sake. I know you'll come back to the BMWs personally. I, uh, I well, I mean we I mean, really fear that. Somebody there.
0: is saying oh, yeah. right now she should drive the used a used cayman and I think that's an option too. Okay but I was sure. trying to think about things I was trying to think about things that are that are really like a year or so old and have gotten her into her budget. So yeah that's not going to happen with the came. you're going to have to go back farther than that. And and 370Z you could pull this off. A year maybe two you could get a really nice one in your budget. Uh as a 370 that's going to be pretty close to brand new. I mean she's worried about the older tech in the 335IS so running backwards into majorly used cars don't don't think makes sense. So it's why I go again yeah, 370 no. over even Porsche, but of course the Porsche is going to have the better interior to be like BMW. I, I can run all over the place. I'm, I'm Mr. Homework tonight. I'm not sure why. <laughs> yeah, you are. But that's where I'm going.
1: <laughs> you're Mr. Instructor. I think you are right as well. The 335 uh, IS is a hydraulic steering rack. Somebody please confirm. But I believe you're right. That is an interesting point, and uh, that's going to make it tough. I think probably mm-hmm. tougher for Marshnell than she originally thought going in uh, which is uh,
0: I mean, kind of funny. Her, con- her concern for new tech kills the 335iS. If that's really a, a serious concern, sure. the M235i is just newer and better. All of the above. I mean, this is the thing that's happening. We talk about how you know your car is now aging like your smartphone, so that is an issue. But um, but sure. yeah, 335iS. That's a that's a really cool car. Steering, all of the above. Very good. Very good. I just I will
1: keep coming back to the the steering feel in the two series. It's precise but less feel, and so that's what really hits my hot buttons is the precision of things. And yeah. if the, if you agree with that, great. If you don't, fine too. But um, well, but you and I, in, I also have context.
0: started joking. Well, you and I have started joking a lot. I mean, we do it in the in the icon film. We actually talked off camera. We just dropped that piece, that seven one eight piece, uh, Porsche piece of Tom's yeah, yeah. Did the same day we we're recording this. We had a long discussion off camera as well on that about steering feel. I mean, what happens when you start driving lots of stuff like we do? You start slicing this stuff until it's <laughs> almost transparent. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. and look, I, I'm I'm the total steering feel snob here. I will I will fully admit that. I I don't care that my ears are bleeding from lack of sound deadening, and yet I can I can define for you the slight tiny loss in steering feel. I mean, please understand how narrow these changes are. How 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 unless you drive them back to back, a lot of times you can't even tell that they've changed it. But I will say, when we get the chance to drive these cars back to back, we notice it right away, mm-hmm. and that's why it ends up being discussed.
1: I think I'm gonna make a shirt just for you, you only.
0: Okay. That says, okay. not every car
1: is a Lotus. <laughs> Front. And then back. the back says,
0: but it should be.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but it should be. There we go. That that's the other shoe right there. And it's just gonna be your shirt. Nobody else gets mm-hmm.
0: it. Yep. Just
1: unless you want one too.
0: We should. If, if the if the back says if the back says, but it should be, then I would wear that. Then I would wear that shirt. I take, yeah, that'd be awesome. I like that. That'll be one of the shirts we should sell on Everyday Drive. If you like that shirt, actually, genuinely, let us know because we are putting shirt designs up as we speak. So if you would like that, you've made a new one, Paul. Well done. <laughs> All right. Well, let's jump into Facebook
1: questions, of which there are many, and they're always creative yeah. and good. I uh, wanted to address Ian Dara's question right up front because he keeps telling us he's going to ask this until it gets answered. And it's a very easy answer to a bit of a complex question, which is Mm. about the next-gen Dodge Challenger and Charger, likely Mm -hmm. to be on the Alfa Romeo Julia platform. That's also why I chose your question, Ian, because it tied in nicely to Rob's debate.
0: Agreed. Agreed. What are our
1: thoughts on that? And Ian asks us, do we think the shift in the platform will mean good things for the driving dynamics that will better compete with the Mustang and Camaro, which are more like sports cars. We keep commenting on that Mm -hmm. all the time. Mm -hmm. I have said from the beginning, the first refresh of the Camaro, it needed to be smaller. Just because they're American cars doesn't mean we just need to go big just because. I know we've got the space to park them in and the room to run here in North America. (laughs) But I I keep coming back to, you know what? The Europeans really have it on size. Even the the M4, which is a quote-unquote big car that's still yeah. fairly compact. And what if those yeah. cars were moving more towards the four series size? They mm-hmm. are enormous. Mm-hmm. Will there be screaming and gnashing of teeth from half of America because they're just not the big American you know, muscle car from the 60s? Yeah. Yes, yeah. there will be. Is that okay with me? Uh-huh, because I want to get away from that. I do like the fact that the Mustang and the Camaro really are going more towards a sports car feel, that's what mm-hmm. we want as drivers. I think you know, unless you're doing the drag thing I...
0: On the other side of the equation, I have to provide the counterpoint because that's kind of what we do but but the thing about, <laughs> we, we talked about this Tom, obviously in Germany, we just dropped the the Porsche piece and what's funny is we're dropping the Porsche piece this week, and he has just finished, and I won't ruin it, but he's just finished a stint in the Mustang 5.0. Uh-huh. It'll be a yep. piece coming out in a couple months. Yeah. That was his first encounter with a truly American car. Yep. And yep. Paul and I were just fascinated by He was texting us and writing us notes as he was driving it for a week because it was such an eye-opening experience for him to drive a fully American car. So he started asking comparative questions about the Camaro and the Challenger and these kind of things. And and one of the things that, that I mentioned, and I want to mention it here too, Dodge is the only company still making true muscle cars. The Challenger it's and true. Charger are, are frankly, they are larger than they need to be. They are, oh my they are absurd yeah. in their scale. Yeah. Even in the Hellcat form, which obviously is enough power to kind of turn the earth, they still are big cars. When that changes, it will be a little bit of a loss because they're the last ones that are still making that sheer big, fast in a straight line, actually better than you think in corners but that's the caveat it's better than you
1: think <laughs> slightly you know? better I mean, than you think
0: exactly it's 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 that damning with faint praise thing that happens every now and then it's just like well this is better than i thought it would be which is not really a compliment <laughs> you're better looking than i thought you'd be wow yeah, let's terrible. go to dinner <laughs> oh. <laughs> that's a that's a tagline for a very <laughs> unsuccessful dating app right there better than i thought you'd be <laughs> oh, anyway
1: um, swipe left, or swipe right <laughs> Yikes
0: <laughs> turn the phone off, turn the phone off. <laughs> anyway. Uh, no, but but here's the thing. when they move away from that large idea, they will be the last ones to go, and it will be to some degree sad. but I still agree with you. I am glad that the Mustang and Camaro have modernized to become more sports cars. It's something you and I like, and I think in order to compete, those cars can only go that way. That's the only chassis in the stable that's available to them. What will they be like? No idea. Ask us in a couple years when they exist. We'll
1: ask Rob, actually. We'll call Rob and have him talk about it. There you go.
0: There you go. Maybe Good. you can
1: comment on, on already, but you know my bucket of sadness won't be as full as most people's. I'll tell you that. Bring on the your, new chassis.
0: Bring it. Your bucket of sadness. Okay. All right. It'll be. Is that the name be, of the app? Is that I, the name of the app we were just talking about the tagline exactly. for a minute ago? The actual app name is Bucket of Sadness, and the tagline is "Not as bad as I thought you'd be." Oh my god! There gosh. it is. There it is. This podcast went in a
1: direction I didn't think it would go this evening, but wow. Um yeah, okay. uh, what else uh, struck you on the questions here?
0: Yeah, anyway, uh, Iggy wrote to us. Iggy's been listening for a long time, and uh, he wrote to us, and he said, what is our opinion or take for an approach to track cars? You may not be surprised by my answer here, Iggy. It's it, The questions are, do you deal with chassis and suspension, or do you deal with power? I'm going <laughs> to tell you chassis and suspension all day long. Yeah, I just yeah. keep dealing with that. Because ultimately, racing is, well, just fast driving in general, is about keeping your power on the road, and having great grip. You can have the most powerful car in the world, and once your grip starts to die, you are now going slower. So anything that is keeping your grip and your control improved, weird wing canards and things that are just keeping your, your traction on the on the racetrack, I'm going to go that way all day long because that's why you have guys. We were just driving the ring a few weeks ago. I got passed by a guy in a catering, and not a fast catering, by the way. I I was on one <laughs> nice. of the straights hammering along, and then we got to a tighter section where the where the ring closes down again, and he just hunted me down. Now, I'm yeah. not claiming to be an amazing driver, but I'm not a newbie either. And he just he hunted me down and took me out in a very – kind of low-end catering for power, but he just stuck to the road and he knew the track. That's that's why you have Miatas that, that surprise people at track days. Handling will get you farther. I fully believe that.
1: I will add to that, tires, we have talked about the ring banana before, oh, yeah. and uh, Gabe just throwing on a set of tires and knocking 20 seconds off his ring time in a bone-stock, <laughs> yeah. nasty old, ratty old Miata, N.A. Miata, I believe, mm-hmm. And wow, tires alone. So yes, Iggy, I am with Todd. Despite our point-counterpoint style, this is one time when we are in full agreement that chassis and suspension tuning first, before you even think about adding power. Because you know what power will do for you. You'll go faster in the Mm -hmm. straights. But that's what everybody does. Add better chassis and suspension tuning and discover more out of your car. You can always add power. That's, That's just easy. Foregone conclusion.
0: Yeah. But, well, yeah. and your ability to use power is dead simple. Oh, look, the road went straight. Oh, look, my foot's at the firewall. I mean, done. Yeah. Right. There, there's not. <laughs> all the places that you make up time are learning to refine your braking, learning to refine your racing line. That's where you're making up time, lap after lap after lap. Because, And then you come out of the corner with more speed. I'm off on a rant now. You come out of the corner with more speed. So when you put your foot at the floor, you've gained even more. Right, right. But the, the, there is no tactic for using more power. Oh, look, my foot's at the firewall.
1: Done. <laughs> Look, I can push farther than I could before. No, you just get to use more of the power that was already there because your car yeah. is tuned better. So, Yeah. All right. Uh, Nick Squires asks us, uh, asks me. Oh, this is a good one. Yeah. He mentioned that uh, I said on the track, I would take the Focus ST over the Fiesta ST
0: mm-hmm. and
1: quite the opposite for street driving. And he asks me why. I love that you're paying attention and that you caught that, Nick, because I did say that, and it's a simple answer. The Focus ST is faster on track. It just is, which I love. Yeah. And the Fiesta ST, great for canyon dicing and carving, and it's more nimble in town and nimble through traffic. It's just as fun, but the Focus ST is faster on the track, and it felt like a better-suited track car. The Fiesta ST felt at times... You could feel how tiny it was, and it felt like mm-hmm. uh, not not amateur hour, but, you know, pro drivers can extract a whole lot from that car. I agree. Yeah. But yeah. it just felt like eh, it really wants to grow up and be big brother, and look over here. We've got one. It's called the Focus ST. It's faster. Hmm. It does all those things, and it just it felt better track holding. The Fiesta was more playful and nimble and chuckable and all those words. But yeah. as a track car, well, I remember, Focus ST. That's I
0: why. remember you talked about that on the day. You talked about how the Focus felt more grounded to you. And you and I, I feel like I've had this conversation a few times of late. Yeah, Where yeah, there's a car that feels a little less grounded, a little more playful or frantic, honestly. And I end up liking it more than you. And you want the more grounded feel. It's definitely something about your driving style. And it, and you were wicked fast in most of those situations when you pick that grounded car. But you know, it's interesting because then then P. D. Murray asked a follow-up question in reply to Nick, where he just went, Yeah, explain why on earth we recommend the Fiesta ST more often than the Focus ST. Why does right. the Focus go ignored, so to speak? Right. And I want to speak to that real quickly. Honestly, I'm going to say to both of you guys that the Fiesta, I find every single time more fun to drive than the Focus ST. Every single time I'm able to drive either one or both, I find the Fiesta to be flat out more fun. Where you drive most of the time in that car, most of your normal driving, you're on boil with the turbo and it feels like it's got a great punch of torque, but it doesn't have the torque steer of its bigger brother. The Focus <laughs> ST has more torque steer. Sure. So the Fiesta ST kills the torque steer and has a kind of lighter on its feet, more chuckable chassis. It is just more of a laugh, more of the time than the Focus. Focus is obviously bigger. Focus is obviously nicer. So if those are categories, fine. But if somebody's looking for a small hatch and they come to us with what's a fun one, the Fiesta's going to win. It certainly is for me because it has a better fun factor and I don't have to deal with the torque steer. Sure. Win-win.
1: Sure. I can definitely see that. You're right. It's it's making me think about the M4 versus the 235i, mm-hmm. the discussion yep. that we had at the ring. Huh. Yep. That's really funny.
0: Yep. I, I. Yeah, we ended up – we have a, a piece on that coming up a little bit. We have a piece specifically about driving the M235i on the ring that is separate from our piece last year of, uh, in the pilgrimage. But We drove it this year. But we had time earlier in the same day to drive the M4, and we felt very different about those two cars.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was so fascinating and just fun and interesting to dissect our driving styles and the way mm-hmm. we approach the speed thing and the cornering thing and yep, you know driving yep. line changes and all that stuff. And uh, yeah, you're right. The, the Fiesta is fun, and I just come back to the sheer speed of it all. I just sure I see that, which is which is um, I suppose good for track, not so good for street. Yeah. Anyway. All right, uh, moving on. What else? Uh, scrolling through this long list. Well, this is good here.
0: Doug, Doug wrote in. I mean, we're, we're going to have to close it down pretty soon. But Doug wrote in, and he asked a tire question. So I'm going to jump into that, because for some reason, I've become tire guy. To the point that I'm even writing a piece right now about winter driving techniques, and that's going to post in the You're the Michelin days. man.
1: That's it. Pra-
0: practically. If, if they would like to pay me, I would happily take on that title. But prior to that, I would to. I'll just eat talk a bunch of chocolate and talk
1: about tires. Sure.
0: <laughs> that's, hey, that's exactly, that sounds like, like my perfect job right there. Eat chocolate all day, talk about tires. Done. Perfect. All right. Good. Well, I finally, finally found my calling after all these years. No, but Doug's asking a question. He just recently moved from a place that got a lot of snow to a place in Alabama that gets hardly any snow but spends most of the winter hanging out between 30 and 40 degrees. And so he has a WRX, sorry, he's got a 2015 WRX that he has full-on summer high-performance tires for. And because he used to live somewhere with snow, he has a full set of winter snow tires, okay? So his question is, what do I do in the winter? And I'm going to say it to you. If, if you really are hanging out at those temperatures, 30, 40 degrees all winter, put those winter tires on. The, the misnomer here is we all are kind of conditioned that those are snow tires. Right. They're winter tires. Right. And this is a thing that has been changing in vernacular for tires. They're winter tires. And the biggest thing about them is below 50 degrees, your high-performance tires are steadily turning into hockey pucks. And, and I actually experienced this today, in fact, Paul. I haven't told you this yet. Oh, when I really? pulled my FRS out this morning, I need, my, I need to put my winters on, and I just haven't yet. And we're having a, kind of a weird late October, early November in Utah where it really hasn't gotten consistently cold yet. We're still having like September days where it's really cold in the morning, and then by noon it's 60. Yeah. So yeah. I've still got my summer uh, Pilot Supersports on. This morning I happened to take my son to school, and it was 22 degrees out.
1: Woo. Yeah, that's down there.
0: Now I'm I'm being careful anyway because I know my tires are not designed for that. But honestly, Paul, they sounded different. Really, they were so hard. My road noise was different. This is how weird I am. My road noise was different. And then by middle of the day, I was driving around later in the day at fifty, 50 uh, degrees, and they sounded and felt perfectly normal. Yeah, that's pliable. And so playable. I actually experienced. Exactly. I experienced in one day what we're talking about. So I'm going to say to you, Doug, if, if you're really hanging out with those temperatures, put those winter tires on. Use them all winter as normal, snow or no snow, because you're going to have better grip. It's Their, their design, that rubber compound, is better for cold temperatures. Save your high-performance ones for summer, and you're better off.
1: Doug, I, again, complete agreement here, and I think a great example is racing. Formula One drivers, Le Mans drivers, talk constantly about tire temperatures, and that includes cold tire temperatures going the other way. Sure. Yeah, sure, as yeah, Todd yeah. says, the tires are really hard. They're not getting grip. And you know how when you're watching the TV and the announcer says, yeah, the drivers are really trying to get heat into their tires. They're desperate mm-hmm. to get heat into the tires. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So when it's raining or they put on the, the mids, the the intermediates or something sure, like that, sure. they don't have the kind of grip and therefore not the kind of cornering power and that translates yeah. to the street. I'm not surprised a bit that they sounded differently. Of course they did. Yeah. Temperature has yeah, everything very to do with that and the air pressure mm-hmm. inside them. So yep. even yep. though probably lower air pressure, far harder material because of the lower temperature, and yeah. it it definitely changes things. So I'm with you. It's, driving it's, around on
0: manhole covers this morning—it was crazy. Yeah,
1: <laughs> had to get out and check. Oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Excellent response and great question because it's all temperature related, mm-hmm. and we can't just say snow tires anymore because it's not for no, the it's, material; it's for temperature. So keep that yeah. in mind when you're. Yeah, it's it's not for. That. We
0: have to. It's not about the snow tread as much. as It just is about having a rubber that responds to the tire, uh, the temperatures, and the surfaces you're going to be dealing with. Absolutely.
1: Yep. Wow. Are we already at an hour? That's amazing. Yes, we are. uh, Look at us. We could talk forever, but uh, we won't. We will wrap things up at this point. As we mentioned before, the Icon film is coming, as are quite a few more pieces from us and from Tom. As Todd mentioned, Mm -hmm. he's got the Mustang piece coming, a few other things coming as well. Hope you're enjoying those from Tom. And uh, what else from us? We've got uh, content through January, I believe.
0: We've got a lot of stuff. We've actually got that FRS comparison piece that's kind of waiting in the wings. That's behind Icon, honestly, but it's waiting in the wings. We've got some cool stuff we shot on our Germany pilgrimage trip, a couple of car reviews that came out of that. But also our kind of wrap-up of that trip and how it went and everything, that's coming out next week, which will be really fun. We're very excited to share that. It was such a cool trip. That's coming up. Of course, the podcast continues. We definitely encourage you to rate it and to share it and talk to others about it. We know many of you are doing that. You're telling us about doing that. This is the reason the podcast is as successful as it is. So thank you. Please keep rating, reviewing, and sharing. And uh, we love that. And, of course, we're here about video, so we're working on the the Icon film, all of the other films. We've got some other things pending, including T-shirts, so stick with (laughs) us on that.
1: Mega thanks, everybody, for watching, for listening. Keep it tuned right here. Write to us with your own car debate, everydaydriver.com. And until next time, cheers.